We're on the record. I'm Sheila Cass. Good morning. When we think about air pollution, we imagine familiar sources, car exhaust, factory smokestacks, or forest fires. But a lesser known source of pollution hits closer to home, your gas furnace or HVAC, your gas water heater. We Americans on average spend about 90% of our time indoors, according to the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, where the concentrations of some pollutants can be two to five times higher than typical outdoor concentrations. A recent report from an array of environmental justice advocates highlights alarming levels of indoor air pollution in Maryland residential and commercial buildings. The report is called Cutting Through the Smog, How Air Quality Standards Help Solve the Hidden Health Toll of Air Pollution from Maryland's Homes and Businesses. Ruth Ann Norton is one of its authors. She is CEO and president of the Green and Healthy Homes Initiative, a nonprofit working to improve health and energy efficiency standards. In October, I spoke with Norton and with Dr. Panagis Galiat-Setos, a pulmonary and critical care medicine physician and an associate professor of pulmonary medicine at Johns Hopkins University. He's also a member of the Breathe Center at Hopkins, a group of scientists and doctors who advocate for lung health. I asked Ruth Ann Norton what people should know about the sources of air pollution indoors. As you know, Sheila, we are focused on uh, reversing ill health by improving the health of housing uh, throughout Baltimore and throughout the nation. Uh, One of the most easy connections here to make is that when you have a gas heater, gas water heater, gas dryer, those uh, appliances that emit through uh, use of fossil fuels dangerous air, right, you're looking at respiratory disease impacts. You're looking at impacts on the heart, the lung, the developing uh, mind and body, right, of young children and pregnant women. So it has more uh, than just asthma, which you often hear about, but it does have a really big impact on on asthma. It can exacerbate uh, an additional 24% of severity on uh, incidence of asthma and uh, therefore increase the number of ER visits and hospitalizations. But what we should also know is that more and more and more in Maryland, the middle and upper income communities are fast moving to electric heat pumps and to electrification, creating a bit of an island of ill health and obsolete appliances in low income communities that we want to ensure from an equity standpoint that we lift up and that we make sure that this is in alignment with our climate goals is our health goals of people in lower-income communities. Dr. Kelly-Atzeros, what are the types of pollutants from these gas appliances that make people sick? Uh, nitrogen dioxide, so usually renox, is by far the leading one um, that we take into account. And you know, from our, our standpoint, and I love the conversation about making sure there's a health impact on this, being a lung doctor, you know, and seeing my community, seeing local individuals do the right things to maintain lung health, right? They they don't smoke or they've stopped smoking, they exercise, and they still sit back and say, what is going on? Why are we clustered with such bad lung issues here in this community? And these kind of pollutants, as such as nitro- uh, nitrogen dioxides and nitrogen oxides and ozone and so forth, they are plaguing our community. They may not be able to be witnessed and seen, but the health ramifications, people 
feel. It's palpable. They're flooding the EDs or they're flooding the hospitals or they're just flooding in general because of the breathlessness that they're experiencing daily. So as a lung doctor, you know, the conversation about the equity of healthy air, you know, this should be our priority um, in order to ensure that we have a health equity goal that can be achievable for all Marylanders. What is the connection between nitrogen oxides and ozone? And, and what is the impact of that? Yeah, no, those are both pollutants created through either um, certain uh, chemical compositions such as ozone and fossil fuel um, ramifications with the nitrogen oxides. And these both have toxic properties to the lungs. As mentioned earlier, they can cause long-term consequences from chronic exposure, right? I think of this almost analogous to smoking, right? Smoking doesn't have immediate effects. It has long-term consequences that results in a preventable morbidity and mortality. Same thing with these. They cause this aberrant inflammatory response that's insidious but accumulative over time that can impact both lungs and brain development. That's our big concern, right? You may be impacted as a child and become our patient later robbed of the ability to achieve proper health. But, you know, we, we've identified how bad they can be, and it doesn't have to be this way. I think that's the big thing with my colleague here that we take away. It does not have to be this way. When people think about climate change and what they can do, it's often overwhelming. But about 40% or more of uh, bad air that is contributing to the ozone layer uh, deterioration is coming from our buildings, our homes and our buildings where we work, where we worship, where we uh, fellowship together. So that becomes very tangible of things we can all be a part of changing and, in, and also use the opportunity that is coming with all of the federal money, with the tax credits and the rebates, to ensure that where we have so disinvested in communities, we can bring forward and modernize buildings and modernize uh, appliances in homes that lift up the value of housing, lift up the resiliency of housing, and of course, lift up the health of the residents and the occupants, therefore opening up new pathways of opportunity for them. This is On the Record. I'm Sheila Cass speaking with Ruth Ann Norton, CEO and President of the Green and Healthy Homes Initiative. Together with other environmental justice advocates, she wrote a report titled Cutting Through the Smog, How Air Quality Standards Help Solve the Hidden Health Toll of Air Pollution from Maryland's homes, and businesses. We're also joined by Dr. Panagis Galeatsedos. He's a pulmonary and critical care medicine physician and associate professor of pulmonary medicine at Johns Hopkins University. Dr. Galeatsedos, is there a common element in the cases that you see caused by such pollution? The big commonality that we will see, and I, I will point this, uh, discuss this kind of from a patient care standpoint, where especially in Baltimore City, the individuals plagued with lung health consequences from asthma to COPD, they're clustered. They're not happening sporadically throughout the city. And the irony, too, you, most people, especially my colleagues, uh, will say, oh, they're, they're, those are the communities that smoke a lot, right? No. Right? The smoking prevalence has actually been decreased. So the only factor that we can put in place there has been around air pollution, specifically around the housing situations and other factors. But, I mean, this is the number one cause, the number one non-infectious cause 
of lung disease accelerating here in Baltimore City has now more to do with air pollution than anything else. And, and I will also add, you know, as a member of the Breathe Center, being able to do so much community engagement through that work, the time is right right now. Uh, as you heard earlier, many community members may have felt overwhelmed by thinking of this, but air health is now at the forefront for two reasons. COVID has brought that up, right? Because many people discuss, all right, how do I make my home safer if someone brings in COVID? And we discuss air quality, air movement, and then the, the wildfires of the summer, where we may have seen that Armageddon-like phenomenon here in Baltimore, but people's attention towards air quality is present. They're ready to act. And this is why we think right now, more than anything, it's time to strike in order to pass the right legislation for, for improving individuals' air. Ruth, this report focuses on HVAC systems, uh, equipment used to heat, cool, or ventilate a home like an air conditioner, but gas stoves also emit nitrogen oxide. And a recent NPR investigation noted 40% of U.S. homes have a gas stove. How, how do gas stoves contribute to this problem? Well, you know, uh, they're putting out uh, benzene. They're putting out NOx, right? A lot of gas stoves are older. They're not uh, ventilating well, and that is coming back into the home. And it is literally... Um, choking out the health of people uh, in subtle ways. And it has a major impact. This this particular report is focused on the larger appliances. But if we are going to get to a zero emission appliance standard and we want to have uh, real impacts, especially on children's health and the health of pregnant women and our most vulnerable seniors, clearly we have to also think about how do we move people off of gas stoves? And in fact, we are—we've uh, launched to do several thousand homes here in Baltimore that we are doing on a holistic, healthy homes approach, and lowering not only things like lead poisoning and injury, but lowering the incidence of asthma. And key to that for us is the removal of fossil fuel emitting appliances uh, from heaters, water heaters, and heating systems all the way to the stoves. So we've formed a community advisory group uh, to help people understand what it means, to understand that we don't want communities left behind with old technology that they're getting sold today that's going to be obsolete and left on a gas island uh, 10 years from now and that we uh, add more damage in that way. But gas stoves, when I quoted the impact of the additional 24% that we see from unhealthy housing, that gas stoves, I mean, that uh, come from NOx emissions, a lot of those studies have come from gas stoves. But what we also know, in the homes where we have replaced fossil fuel-emitting appliances, including stoves, in Baltimore, where people had really feared getting off their gas stove because they thought it was their one source of heat they could rely on through the winter if the electric went out. As they have come to understand that if we are able to electrify their home, which means upgrade their electrical system, which becomes more reliable, it's actually proving to be, in our early cases that we're seeing, more affordable. And in fact, the other thing that we're hearing uh, from people is how much they love their induction stoves, how much they love their electric stoves. Uh, so we have a little bit of a cultural divide for people like me who grew up on gas stoves thinking it made me a better cook or anything else, right, to get to what is the true health issues here. 
And when people understand the health impact and they can tie that themselves to what's happening in their home, we get a lot of very good action happening. Ruth Ann Norton is CEO and president of the Green and Healthy Homes Initiative. Also with us is Hopkins pulmonologist, Dr. Panagis Galiatsetos. We're listening back to our conversation from October about how home heating and cooling equipment contributes to air pollution and health problems. Short break on the record. When we're back, solutions. I'm Sheila Cass. Stay with us. Welcome back to On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast. A recent report by environmental justice advocates calls attention to indoor air pollution from nitrogen oxides emitted from everyday heating, cooling, and ventilation systems, gas, HVAC, and stoves. The report by the nonprofit Green and Healthy Homes Initiative warns Maryland's homes and commercial buildings harbor a hidden toll on the health of our lungs. Pollution from burning fossil fuels in buildings has risen nearly 4% in the past six years, even as nitrogen oxide pollution in other sectors has gone down. What can we do about it? In October, I spoke with Ruth Ann Norton, CEO and president of Green and Healthy Homes Initiative, and pulmonologist Dr. Panagis Galiatsetos, who is part of the Breathe Center at Johns Hopkins, a group of scientists and doctors advocating for lung health. The report argues Maryland policymakers need to pursue air quality standards for HVAC and water heaters. I asked Ruth Ann Norton what that policy would look like. Well, one is that what we are recommending will help Maryland meet its goals that's already been adopted by the legislature through Climate Solutions Now in lowering carbon emissions uh, and going moving to clean energy, clean air, right? But the other is that Governor Moore, during Climate Week, uh, joined with other governors from around the country and signed a compact uh, to advance uh, the uh, implementation of heat pumps in homes uh, in Maryland as part of a, a large uh, pact to, on clean energy. So what we are recommending supports uh, the uh, policies that have been espoused by the Moore administration, which uh, we're, we're very glad to see. Something to keep in mind also here <clears throat> is that the heat pumps that are, and I may have said this earlier, but we're seeing more and more heat pumps happen uh, throughout the state. Maryland's one of the better states in implementation of, of heat pumps uh, in housing, but in the middle and upper income. So part of it is also making sure in the mission of the Moore administration of leaving no one behind, that we ensure that we are doing this, as, as the doctor said, equitably across all communities, uh, making sure that all communities can contribute to positive impacts as we battle climate change. Well, let me interrupt and ask you to tell us briefly what advantage heat pumps have over traditional HVAC systems. Well, I mean, first of all, they're cleaner, right? They're healthier. Uh, I think over time we're going to see that they're more efficient in cost, in certainly more efficient in the consumption of energy. We're, I think we're going to see that they're more efficient uh, or more effective on the bottom line for families as well. Uh, you can also replace two appliances, right? Your cooling appliance and your heating appliance with one appliance. 
And we also have the incoming monies that are coming down from the Inflation Reduction Act and the other federal funds where we're going to have rebates and tax credits available to help defray the cost so we can modernize housing, we can make it healthier, we can upgrade the electrical systems, which is also safer for things like fire safety and long-term value for housing, and make it affordable for everyone to benefit from uh, heat pumps. Dr. Galliot said, as I know your expertise is health, not engineering, but does it seem plausible to you that your patients could switch their HVAC systems quickly? Well, that, that's why the, I think the solution as a physician has to be two-part. One is doing what we're doing today, right? You're, you're seeing public health and medical health coming together for this equitable intervention, right? We would, as Ruth said earlier, we don't want to have any community feel like they're left behind or can't achieve it because of their socioeconomic status. So the first thing that I would say to any physician is partner with such entities, work together for a, for a greater good in order to benefit the healthy air for all of our individual community members out there. And the second aspect that I will also say is doctors, I think, in the clinic should have these conversations. And if a patient addresses their concerns, we should discuss you know, any resources that they can get to achieve this because we're already doing that. Right? If they come to us with food insecurity, we talk about food resources that they can access, transportation insecurities. We discuss that as well. I would love to add this as another factor where doctors feel comfortable asking what I would call the sixth vital sign, right? meaning where do you live? And getting that understanding and getting that understanding of their homes are in because they're going to be spending the most time in there. Their diseases will be impacted by how they live and how they breathe. And so physicians should get more comfortable with understanding that and then helping navigate patients to resources. We do that already. This is a different element. Yes, I understand. But one that can easily be taught to us so we can do something for the greater good. This is On the Record on WIPR. I'm Sheila Cast, speaking with Hopkins pulmonologist Dr. Panagi Scaliatsados and with Ruth Ann Norton, CEO and President of the Green and Healthy Homes Initiative. We're talking about air pollution in Maryland's residential and commercial buildings. Dr. Scaliatsados, for those who have already been impacted by poor indoor air quality, what can they do to improve their health? Right. So I would say from a lung doctor standpoint, the interventions that we have, be it inhalers or oral medications, they will help. But it's like giving an inhaler to someone who continues to smoke. Until you tackle their tobacco dependence, you're not going to find a benefit from a lot of these medications. So you have to work uh, against the etiology that's contributing to their poor lung health. And it's the same concept here. And I will say as a doctor, it's not even if I find out where they're living, right, I have to rule out other factors that could be causing their deterioration in lung health. And if it comes to realizing it is the indoor air quality, right, we'll do what we can as as physicians. But my goal at that moment is to lend is to reach out to my public health colleagues and get these patients connected. Keep in mind, this is what we do as doctors all the time. We realize there's a lot of non-biological factors out there that mitigate our interventions that prevent patients from achieving the health equity that they deserve be it from food act, nutritious food access to transportation, and every doctor will advocate for their patients. We have to apply that same level of advocacy for home, indoor, air, health. And so from my standpoint, what I will do and promise every patient is we'll do what we can medically, but we need that public health intervention. And colleagues like Ruth grabbing their hand is going to be a way to achieve just that. 
Ruth, the kind of air quality standards that you're suggesting, is that something the Maryland Department of Environment can do on its own, or does the general, would the General Assembly need to act? So that's an interesting question. And uh, so I sit on a, a panel of uh, advocates and researchers, and we've been looking at this and policy folks. We believe that the Secretary of the Environment can act by regulation um, to uh, to advance this work. Uh, certainly, if we can get it also supported in the legislature, it makes it stronger. Uh, but it's our belief that the, the Secretary of the Environment today has the ability to advance uh, these policies, and uh, we hope that we can work with the state uh, to see that realization happen and happen soon, because every day that we don't tackle this, people are getting sicker. And uh, we have an opportunity to do something uh, that is better for health and more resilient as we face uh, the, uh, making positive impacts on climate change. Does venting your gas furnace or water heater outside reduce the problem? Uh, certainly you want to have, uh, just for indoor air quality in general, you want to have in all of your kitchens and baths and where your dryer is proper uh, ventilation that brings in fresh air and puts out the bad air. But it's not alone. Ventilation alone doesn't solve the issue of fossil fuel emissions in a home. And we can't ventilate enough to eliminate those, right? So eliminating the fossil fuel emitting appliances and going to a zero uh, emission standard as we move forward to ensure that every state dollar for uh, renovations and retrofits will require that we're using uh, appliances like heat pumps rather than gas. That's a way that we can, in fact, move to a healthier future in Maryland. Um, so we have lots of tools that can be put in place uh, to be able to move this forward so that it's in everyone's economic best interest. It's in their health, uh, their uh, interest, of course. It's in the interest of climate. But I will say this, too. For, you know, think about asthma as the number one reason that kids miss school. And it, when, when, you know, if kids cannot sleep properly through the night, they land up in the emergency room, they're in the hospital, that is taken away from their education, not to mention the potential brain damage that they receive that, that is coupled onto this. It also means parents can't get to work when their kids are sick. So there's other drivers of um, social determinants here that we really have to take into account. This is simply a better cleaner and clearer pathway uh, for the health, economic, and social outcomes for Marylanders. Dr. Galliatzeros, let me give you the final brief word. What message do you want to leave with listeners? I, my final message would emphasize the significance of lung health, right? We, we've done such great strides here in Maryland, here in Baltimore, to promise health for all in many factor, factors throughout the environments and throughout our housing. Lung health, by far, should be now our number one priority. We've seen its impact through COVID and through wildfires. We recognize that patients, even if they stop smoking or the, with the smoking rate being the lowest it's ever been in the last 40 years, we're still seeing a massive surge in lung diseases. And that is not a coincidence with regards to how the housing structures are probably con are, are contributing to that. 
So my final message is if we want everyone to achieve that health equity that we want to promise them, we have to start here. Start within the confines of your home. Make it as safe as possible to bring in the proper lung health. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you for raising this issue. Ruth Ann Norton is CEO and president of the Green and Healthy Homes Initiative and co-author of the report, Cutting Through the Smog, How Air Quality Standards Help Solve the Hidden Health Toll of Air Pollution from Maryland's Homes and Businesses. Dr. Panagis Galeat-Satos is a pulmonary and critical care medicine physician and an associate professor of pulmonary medicine at Johns Hopkins University. We spoke in October. At the On the Record page at WYPR.org, we have links to the report and to more information, including how to contact Green and Healthy Homes at 410-534-6447 about the possibility of financial help with switching your appliances. Again, the phone is 410-534-6447. I'm Sheila Cast. Glad you're with us on the record. Come back tomorrow. Tomorrow.